horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back to another edition of Winning Ponies. So happy to have you here. We got so much to cover this week. I've got not two, but three guests for you. We're going to start out with Jenny Reese from Louisville, the multiple Eclipse Award winning writer. is going to tell us a little bit about Billy Reed. In case you missed the story, uh, Billy Reed passed away about a week ago, um, and uh, he, he was uh, a three-time Eclipse Award winner, uh, pretty amazing, but somehow people in Louisville heard about the story, but it didn't get as much national press as I thought Billy would get. So just wanted to bring on another Eclipse Award winner, Jenny Reese, to just kind of tell us who he was as she worked alongside him covering the races in Louisville, Kentucky. Then we're going to bring in my friend Byron King. Uh, Byron uh, updates his uh, Derby Dozen. He has now inherited that job for the blood horse, and uh, we're going to try to talk to uh, him. We will talk to him. We won't try about his Derby Dozen, who he's got this week, who they are, and what might change after a couple of this week's Derby preps. All right, so that's a look at the show. Minus the third guest that I've been trying to get on for about a year. Something always happened with one of us could make it at the same time. None other than Vic Stauffer. You heard him for so many years calling the races at Hollywood Park. He's been to a lot of places in between that and his current home stand. None other than Oaklawn Park, where he'll be covering those races leading up to the Derby. And we've got two really good handicap races on the Saturday card at Oaklawn Park. Okay, so that is a look at uh, how the show's going to set up. And hope you were watching. Hot Rod Charlie had a nice prep race in Dubai. Uh, of course, you can find it on the interweb somewhere. And he just ran them off their feet and made Dan. Uh, and it looks like uh, he's got about seven weeks to go before the uh, Grade 1 Dubai World Cup. And uh, Hot Rod Charlie, he's really one of those horses that you say to yourself, I'm so glad they didn't retire him at three, and we're going to get to watch this race at four. So, Maydan and the Dubai World Cup, get used to watching Hot Rod Charlie. All right, well... uh, you know, we got a real hodgepodge of racing. We've got we got we got Oaklawn Park, we got Tampa Bay, we got Golden Gate Fields. How do you sort it all out? <laughs> Let us do it for you at Winning Ponies. We got the easy win forms uh, that we offer, and you can come on and uh, check our, our recent successes. Uh, four days ago, down at sunny Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, we hit a 50 cent super for 1700 out on the West Coast, Santa Anita, just three days ago. Uh, we had a $1 super five that paid over 2300 And let's not forget the guys at Charlestown just hit them up four days ago for a $1 super that paid 2300 Those are the easy win forms. They're easy to get. Go to winningponies.com, listen to our guests, take their input, see who they like, and then see how the easy win forms complement those picks and that's your play of the day so uh i 
again, uh, you know, that's what was happening last week. We got we got uh, Hot Rod Charlie at Dubai. You've got our guests lined up. And again, we'll be talking more about three-time Eclipse Award winner Billy Reed. He was 79. I guess the last couple of months weren't so good, but that's not stuff you read about or want to publicize for that matter. Okay, uh, let's see where we want to go from here. And uh, I guess you want to uh, uh, take a look at what races are coming up this week uh, that, that we won't be covering with Vic Stoffer. Um at Tampa Bay Downs, uh, we've got uh, two good races. You got the Sun Coast. That's for Phillies going a mile and forty yards. These are three-year-old Phillies. We might see some of these in the Oaks down the road. And the one to beat in here, everybody's saying, is a horse by the name of Nest, a daughter of Curlin, trained by Todd Pletcher, who is almost undefeated, missed by three quarters of a length. In the tempted at Belmont, nonetheless, came out, won the Demoiselle last time out in December. Pletcher probably has this horse. He always does so well at Tampa Bay Downs. Remember that, folks. And moving on to a Derby points race at Tampa this week. It is the Sam F. Davis. Um, Classic Causeway should go to the top in here. Irad Ortiz will be making his first appearance at Tampa Bay Downs in this race and uh, the horse uh, shows good tactical speed can use it if he wants hasn't been out since uh, his uh, race at churchill where he ran second in the kentucky jockey club to smile happy and uh, what i like about this horse is uh, white abarario if i'm saying that right uh, who came back and won big last weekend um, was uh, defeated in their last start by Classic Causeway. Um, again, Classic Causeway ran second. White Abereo ran third in that race. And that's the Sam Davis. That's going to be down at Tampa Bay Downs. My long shot play on this day at Tampa will be Volcanic. Uh, the switch to blinkers may have helped. Mark Cassie has three horses in there. All right. That's a look at some of the races that are going to be happening, aside from the races we're going to be uh, talking about at Oakland Park. And uh, coming up this week, um, we've got the uh, – I'm sorry. Going back to last week, um, we had our buddy Bob Railbird Roberts with us uh, breaking down the races. Let's see. In the Withers at Aqueduct, the winner in here, early voting, Chad Brown trainee by the sensational young sire gunrunner, Jose Ortiz in the saddle. This colt is now two for two. The uh, maiden win was uh, looked like a public display, and this one, early voting, put in the lead by Jose Ortiz, flew to the front, and just stayed on. Um kind of showed that he was a little bit tired uh stretching out to the mile and an eighth which is rightfully so it was only his second start uh didn't blow him away the final 16th but uh was so far in front by that time he was maintained his lead over 28 to one shot new york bred un ojo 28 to 1, good one to have in your exacta. And the third spot was Gilded Age. Then we headed down to Florida with the Railbird. 
Uh, early on the card was the Swale Stakes. Of course, I like Mr. Prankster as uh, Todd Pletcher trainee that got the job done. Uh, interesting, uh, son of Into Mischief, um, my prankster, Pletcher saying he may not be derby bound, even after this impressive win. It wasn't seven furlongs, uh, but he says it might be a one-turn horse. We'll see what happens down the road. So Mr. Prankster over Railburn selection, Dean delivers in the swale stakes. Uh, just a little bit later in the card was the forward gal. And in there, it was girl with a dream wire to wire slightly overlooked at five to one, a Brad Cox trainee with Louis says in the saddle. You don't get five to one that often, but bet way down to three to five was radio days who ended up running second in there. And then the Holy Bull, White Abario. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'll ask Byron what he thinks. Um, White Abario got the job done at six to one. If you go back, this horse was really working well for this big effort and was an easy winner for trainer Safi Joseph. Uh, this horse, in its now four race career, has never run a buyer figure less than 90 plus pretty impressive and again came out of that kentucky jockey club we'll get to see what classic causeway uh does this week and in the second spot uh was uh, none other than bob's pick simplification put this horse down on your list sent away at seven to two had a bad break and came flying it was way too late wasn't going to catch white abario but nonetheless uh pretty impressive Keep an eye on this horse. In the third spot, Mo Donegal had plenty of trouble in that field. Well, that pretty much rounds it out. And since we've got three guests today, I should probably uh, wind it up with this note. Gentlemen, we had on about uh, four weeks ago, John G. Dooley uh, will now be the track announcer at Indiana Grand. So John uh, landed on both feet after the uh, abolition, shall we say, of Arlington Park. And uh, he's still got a nice uh, summer gig now. I get to go over and see him at Indiana Grand. And, of course, you get to hear him uh, this time of the season down at the fairgrounds. All right. That's as much national news as we can fit. we got to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have our friend Jenny Reese join us and going to talk about the three-time Eclipse Award winner, Billy Reed. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com john and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. With me now, a person that's been on this show many, many times because she just keeps winning Eclipse Awards, and i got to have her on to talk about it. Uh, Jenny Reese has been on this show so many times that she said, you know, I think I can do that on my own and went ahead and started her own podcast <laughs> calling us from Louisville to chime in about sports writer, uh, Billy uh, Reed. Before we get to that, how you like the world of podcasting there, Jenny? No, it, it's a radio show that they make as a podcast that it's on ESPN 680 here in Louisville. We're filling in my colleague, Joe Clayson on for the, uh, 12 weeks. Why? Churchill Downs uh, takes hiatus inside Churchill Downs, and and I'll be ready to you know give it back to them. It's a lot of work. I don't know how you do it year round. Well, just because I get great guests like you on, and that's why. Now, somebody I never did have on was Billy Reed, the the former president of the National Turf Riders. Mm-hmm. He's rivaling your mantle there with three Eclipse Awards. Uh, passed away, uh, 79 years old. That's a pretty pretty healthy life. Uh, you, he packed a lot into that life. And, you know, he didn't grab a whole lot of headlines and stuff. He just was one of these guys kind of n- nose to the, to the grind and, and got his job done. But uh, I guess the one thing when you bring Billy's name up, it was like, well, he sure didn't kowtow to anybody. Buddy, he told it like it was. No, he didn't. You knew where he stood with him. And if somebody had a great line, maybe it was Eric Crawford, that if you thought that, I don't think Billy likes me, then you're probably, he he doesn't like you. But if he were, you were his friend, he would do anything for you. And in his, in his day, I mean, he was huge. He was iconic, I, I would say. And, you know, John, because you had in Ohio legendary calmness up there. It was a different era where sort of the regional um, sports columnists were prominent nationally. This was before the internet, before sports talk, before podcasts, before social media. You know, they they were it. And Billy, you know, the Courier Journal uh, had home delivery in all 120 Kentucky counties, plus, you know, uh, went up almost to Indianapolis in circulation in southern Indiana. And... Billy was even for the day for where sports editors or that was his title, but he's a sports columnist or strong. He was, he, 
I would dare say he had more clout than, at least in the modern era, whatever you want to call the modern era. I mean, I, 1800s, I you know probably would be stepping out of my lane to to uh, suggest. But he was so huge. And think of the time, though, that he, he um, in his day, he was on the ground floor with Cassius Clay becoming Muhammad Ali and got interviews when nobody else got interviews. He, uh, I read this in Eric Crawford's um, remembrance of him, that he would regularly exchange letters with Bear Bryant after Bear Bryant had left UK and went to Alabama. Uh, wow. You know, he had covered Rupp. I mean, he must have been very young when he covered Rupp, but he, uh, uh, you know, Paul Horning was a very good personal friend. And um, it's just, you know, Billy Turner, they were great friends when he had Seattle flu. The kind of thing you don't really see with maybe, um, you know, with some of the TV guys and stuff. You don't really see with the newspaper journalists anymore. And uh, he, you know, he wouldn't pull any punches. I mean, he had a strong opinion. He didn't have much gray in him. It was black or white. You were his friend. He would forgive about anything. If he thought you were wrong, or didn't like you, he, um, you knew that. The other thing is, talk about the cloud he had. Uh, yeah, this may be something that could be on his tombstone. He made L UK happen, that game. Billy was relentless writing column after column that the University of Kentucky should play the University of Louisville every year in basketball. Great. And more than probably anybody, he made that come to pass. Um, so it's just, and, and he, he's a mentor to me. I was very fortunate. Speaking of golden era and stuff, he um, had him, Jim Bolas, you know, the late, great Mike Berry. Oh, and I started covering racing. And they all took me under his wing. And Billy and Jim Bolas really took, and, and um, Earl Cox and other columnists at the time, really took up for me at a time when the, they were merging the two, the afternoon and the morning paper. And everybody was applying for different beats and stuff. And I'd been covering racing on um, I was a full-time employee, but my copy desk. But, like, once a week I could, except during, like, derby week, I'd be doing horse racing. And um, the uh, managing editor at the time was actually a great friend of Billy's. Um, they grew up together. Another icon in journalism and David Hawk. He had somebody else in mind, somebody more experienced and stuff for to, but they hadn't been doing horse racing for that once they were going to make it a full-time assignment. And Billy and Jimbo, uh, behind my back, I didn't know about this after the fact, you know, went to management blistering, um, oh, I can't say emails, because we didn't really have email then, but, you know, <laughs> it had, uh, had but, you know letters and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, and just said, you cannot do this to her as hard as she has worked. And now that it's becoming a good assignment and blah, blah, blah. And Billy had that kind of clout. And let's say, I mean, John, I don't know if, if I would have ever really gotten to know you had it not been for Billy Reed, the, you know, interceding and me, you know, here I am still in horse racing. 
Well, and I know, and w- w- what a marvelous uh, addition you are to our sport. But I remember going down and taking pictures at uh, an award ceremony at Keeneland, and Billy Reed was the opening speaker for none other than Jenny Reese. Oh, yeah. Well, I thought you were going to say taking pictures at our wedding, which you did also. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was, uh, I've gotten so many awards. Was this, was this what, Kentucky sports writer? I forget which award this was. I Was that, this was, was that in 2015 for 2014 getting in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. So getting yeah, in the Billy Hall of Fame. Yeah, Billy was the, he introduced and you. Yeah. He did. He did. And, and uh, so proud of that and I was also very happy that Billy because you know he was a general sports columnist but then two years ago he got in um, the Racing Hall of Fame's media wing uh, and I thought that was so great he's in so many other Halls of Fame the you know basketball you know Writers Hall of Fame all this other stuff to get in racing you don't see that many people that that are in all those different Hall of Fame and also horse racing and um, so I was I was thrilled um for that, because he's from an era where people call, covered horse racing because it was like, you know, it was as important as covering the, um, you know, today the NCAA football championship game or the Final Four or the World Series or the Super Bowl. You covered the Kentucky Derby. And Billy always felt it was important not to cover the subjects he was interested in, but the subjects he thought his readers were interested in. Uh-huh. And, um, you, you know, that, that's not always the case. I think today's um, columnists, of course, so many of the beat writers are also columnists now. You know, it's kind of a blurred area. Um, but if they don't know about something, the general sports columnists, they just won't cover it. I think that's been a problem for racing. So they, got, they don't want to like be, they don't want to be bothered to learn it. And they don't want to be, my theory is some of them, they, their egos, they don't want to be exposed for not knowing it. Well, Billy, and Billy, Billy Reed's certainly could. I mean, Jenny, go back. You're not too many years younger than me. Anyhow, go back in time. Remember when we were kids, like you couldn't wait for Sports Illustrated to come out? There was no internet. Yeah. So you, you got the yeah, bulk right. of your national sports material from Sports Illustrated. And Sports Illustrated, Billy Reed was their go-to guy for racing. He was. Yes, he was, and he was William F. Reed, and a lot of people did. That was his byline in Sports Illustrated, where it was Billy Reed in the Career Journal, and then later the Herald Leader and some other publications. Some people didn't make that connection, that he was the guy in Sports Illustrated. And actually, you know, he wrote for the Herald Leader. He left the Career Journal under difficult circumstances in 1986, not too long after he'd gone to, you know, really kept me as a um, beat writer. And I felt bad that when, you know, the paper was sold and it was new people in play and the rules kind of changed and, and it was, it was not a good situation. And Billy left. Um, it was not a good situation for, I mean, you know, things came to a head. Um, and I felt bad that there was nothing I could have done for Billy like he did for me, but he actually was at the Herald leader total longer than he was at the Courier Journal. And, but everybody still equates him with the Courier Journal. Yeah, and rightly so. Uh, but for years after, years and years and years after, we still get mail from <laughs> the 
career journal. Billy, about that column you wrote about Jim Morgan 30 years ago. Well, bring that up. Bring that up about uh, Jim. That was great. You know, I mean, I knew he knew him because of UofL basketball. But then, um, yeah, it just, Billy, it was just, his connections were were, um, amazing. Well, Jenny, listen. Your connections are even more amazing. You, you, you are. You're Billy. You're Joe Hirsch. Uh, you, you're one of the few no, surviving no, <laughs> journalists. There's a difference between somebody that just writes stuff and somebody who's a journalist that kind yeah. of gets uh, the gives you the color, gives you the canvas, gives you the feel. And you're somebody who can do that. As somebody yeah. that's been married well, to thank you know you. thoroughbred but, trainer, so everybody knows you on the backstretch, Jenny. Because well, you, thank you, are but, you know, a I really. I reinvented myself, and I'm not, yeah, and sometimes I'm in the capacity of a journalist, but I'm in this day and age, I'm more of publicity and advocate for horse racing. I mean, I, yeah, I can do that other stuff and do in the course of my work or if I have an assignment or something, but Billy and Joe Hirsch would never have thought about leaving that kind of the journalism world, and at the end, the, you know, the last seven years, Billy, the, his, the two main publications he wrote for was the Northern Kentucky Tribune, writing a sports column, and then often he decided to stray into politics. So the editor of the, um, the uh, publisher of the Northern Kentucky Tribune, who, uh, Judy Klebs, they're in the Hall of Fame together, the Kentucky Journalism, they went to UK together. She said, well, we'd have to move his, from the sports section to, you know, like, you know, the um, op-ed section, because Billy would decide to write about politics. Um, but, um, he, you know, he would never have thought about, it was, he kept up that love of writing. He um, also wrote for the Louisville uh, Catholic Sports. He helped, I think, launch that. And it was every, you know, game at Bellarmine University and stuff, and loved it, and, and, well, Jenny, I mean, Jenny, like, my okay, producer's I, I, telling me I've got, I've got, yeah, to, I've I gotta got to go. Tap, I got to tap get, out here, hey, and I see that my next guest is on hold. You got Byron be, King on. You got, huh? yeah, forget me. You got Byron King on. <laughs> the king of the campers <laughs> from Louisville. That's right. Well, All Jenny, right. I'm, I'm, thanks for joining I'm us and thanks for the intro. Uh, with us next is is Byron King, who uh, I don't know if you saw, they moved the Eclipse Awards back a half an hour so Byron could be with us tonight. He's serving in the capacity of seat filler at the Eclipse Awards. Byron, how are you? Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Oh, well, thanks for allowing me on the show. Uh, uh, I, you and Jenny were having such a spirited, great uh, recap of, um, of Billy Reed's great career. I was enjoying listening to her uh, remembrances of it. And as we were talking off the air, you know, I, I grew up as a kid uh, reading the sports pages of the Courier-Journal, reading Billy Reed, you know. So I remember those days of dying for a U of L UK basketball game. Well, Byron, listen, I'm just going to have you, like, duck your head at the door and and give us some comments here, and then you can go finish your dog walking or whatever it is you're doing tonight. Um, So, uh, the... uh, 
the Derby Dozen is now in your court. It's going to be a, a list that will pr- definitely not be set in stone anytime soon. So much happens during the uh, lead up to the first Saturday in May. We've seen it go right down to the day of Derby where there's been late scratches. So uh, to ask somebody to give a Derby Dozen at this point is probably next to impossible. But you tackle it every week. Uh, it's in the blood horse, folks, and it comes on um, if they remember to file it correctly. Uh, Tuesday afternoons, you'll see the update on bloodhorse.com, and uh, so let's let's see how things change. You, you know, over the over the weeks ahead, we're going to ask Byron to every couple of weeks kind of join us, give us the update, tell us why, who's hot, who's not, stuff like that. And so, with no further ado, Byron, so happy to have you back on. Let's take a quick look. I know I only got you here for about five more minutes, but your uh, Derby Dozen right now, the headline was Florida Horses White Hot in Derby Dozen Rankings. But of course, uh, that headline does not encompass uh, some of your early top three. We got to number four, White Abario, am I saying that right? He kind of joined your list this yes, week. Sure. Solid yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, he vaulted up the uh, the rankings with his powerful win in the Holy Bull Stakes. The Holy Bull, in my opinion, um, top to bottom, was the, the best derby prep thus far this uh, year, run this year. And um, he had a dominant win and fast time, did everything right. He's only lost one race. That being a third place finish in the Kentucky Jockey Club last uh, fall at Churchill Downs, where he kind of had a bit of an eventful trip as his rider took him back off the pace into the first turn, and then he was in a little bit of traffic and ate some dirt and all that stuff, and lost as as horses will do, you know. And then he bounced back and won the Holy Bull with authority. Although I should point out some of the horses in the that ran against him as main contenders had some difficulties. Uh, yes. Simplification was off poorly, was taken out of his usual front-running style, made a nice run on the turn to advance into second. Didn't switch leads down the stretch, but uh, stayed on to hold the runner-up spot. Mo Donegal was uh, off just a, a little bit slowly, not as badly as Simplification, made a run on the back stretch, then got kind of out-quickened, but then finished very well uh, once in the lane, and the Holy Bull has run over a short straight, uh, straightaway. So those were just some of the horses that ran in the Holy Bull. And um, it also, even though he wasn't in action, I think the Holy Bull outcome flattered the form of Smile Happy, who had beaten White Abario. And Smile Happy is my number two behind Rattle and Roll, my number one. Well, I, you know, I, I was there when uh, Rattle and Roll uh, won, I believe now it's his final uh, 2021 start uh, down at Keeneland. And the way he strode out really impressed me for a two-year-old to make that move. And, you know, you got to make it kind of early as you head into that stretch at, at Keeneland. And he was kind of back in the pack. Uh, Rattle really, really looks like a horse that, that's going to enjoy the stretch out as the, as, the, uh, as the battles get longer here in the run for the Roses. Right. And I, that's one of the things I like about him. That was a, a race that I would encourage your Listeners, to, to rewatch it, it's up on YouTube, and of course you can access it through an ADW platform, but 
this horse was about, I want to say maybe sixth or so, maybe entering the turn. And when Brian Hernandez Jr. gave him his cue on that second turn, he literally just swallowed up the horses in front of him. He was in front before they hit the top of the lane and then poured it on down the stretch. A very, very nice win. Um, and obviously in a grade one race. Now, my one concern about him, or it's two concerns, I suppose you'd say, is he's a little bit behind some of the others in terms of his training. Smile Happy's a few weeks in front of him. So he's scheduled to run in the Tampa Bay Derby for his return spot, and that's in mid-March. And then, of course, followed by another race in, in early April, you would think. But that doesn't give him a whole lot of wiggle room to get two preps in, but uh, it's not uh, out of the question. He just things have to go smoothly for him. And then secondly, the other question mark is just the, the Claiborne Breeders Futurity, while it was a grade one, it has not really seen a lot of first down dominant or subsequent uh, dominant winners. And, and so it just hasn't really quite produced the same way that, say, the Kentucky Jockey Club has. So... Um, that may just be chance. It may be a reflection on the race a little bit, but nevertheless, he looks like a really talented horse that I think will relish a mile and a quarter. All right. Well, you know, I, I, I look at uh, Byron King's Derby Dozen at bloodhorse.com, and I get down to the third horse, and I go, Zandon who? Zandon who? Zandon is was beaten a nose in the Remsen Stakes last fall. And that's another race to pull up on the old race replays. And I tell you, if I had been in that steward's booth, he would have been the winner, although he crossed the wire second. Mo Donegal, um, in my opinion, impeded him, certainly enough to have potentially cost him a placing in that race. He was beaten a nose. Uh, uh, Zandon was bumped. Um, pretty aggressive riding by Ired Ortiz Jr. on Mo Donegal. They both ran great, but I think Zandon um, should have been put up. Now, what I really liked about his race was how tough as nails he was. He looked like he was going to lose by maybe a couple lengths, and he fought on and actually galloping out past the wire. He was strongest, and that was coming from a sprint race to a mile and an eighth race. So, he is a very talented horse. Trainer Chad Brown plans to bring him back at this juncture in the Risen Star at the fairgrounds, which is shaping up as a blockbuster race with Smile Happy in there and some other really good ones like Epicenter. All right. Now, uh, we did have a uh, a uh, race last week, the Withers Stakes. Um, Early voting was a dominant winner, but I, I kind of scratched my ha- head a little bit to, through the stretch there. He, he and as I said earlier in the show, I, you know, he's a three-year-old. And he's just trying a new distance for the first time, and uh, uh, he uh, he may have just been legitimately tired, but he just didn't impress me in that final furlong. You know what you bring up is a good point. I personally think that he was uh, loafing a little bit on the lead. He came into the stretch, uh, as you mentioned, and was kind of, uh, I think initially he drifted inward, and then he the jockey hit him a few times left-handed, and then he came outward, and 
I think he just wasn't really finishing the race off the way the rider expected, and so I think he idled and goofed around down the lane. Um, I don't think he was tired. I think he he can go on and compete at those uh, these longer races. My larger concern is that it's just the nature of it. The better eastern horses typically head south for the winter, so mm-hmm. wins that are accomplished in New York in the month of February generally feature fields that aren't quite of the same caliber as the ones you'll see in the Holy Bull or the Risen Star. So he did not make my top 12, and and the reason just simply being the company that he faced. Very interesting. Now, I I, I think you alluded a little bit earlier that um, you might be heading down to to Hot Springs. What what event uh, will you be covering? Well, I actually will be, you know, that's one thing that I'm proud to say is that I am a racing fan first and foremost. So what do I do when I want to take a vacation? I go to the racetrack. So um, I am actually meeting some college buddies down at Oakland Park, and we are going to sit back in the grandstand and handicap some races and enjoy some good racing and Watch the Rebel that weekend, but I thankfully will not have to type up a story on it. I can just sit there and be a race goer for uh, a few days there at Oakland Park, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Byron King, that's one of the things I love about you, brother. You're just a regular guy. And with that, that's I'm right. you exit, get back to filling that seat at the Eclipse Awards, and hopefully I'll talk to you in about uh, two weeks, uh, you know, to see uh, how your update's going, who's hot and who's not, at bloodhorse.com with Byron King. Thanks a lot, Byron. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me, buddy. Okay, up next, Vic Stoffer. We'll be right back on Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com john and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us 
Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies, with John Inglehart. And with me now, Vic Stauffer. You've heard his voice, shall I say, for decades if you've been listening to, to racing. And he has made his way down to beautiful Hot Springs, Arkansas, a place I do believe he calls home now. Uh, with no further ado, we'll let him fill in the blanks on the resume. Vic Stauffer, how are you? I am terrific. Living the dream here in the spa city, like we call it here. Hot Springs, Arkansas, and we're well into our 2021-2022 racing meet. We expanded nine days this year, so we run 66 days when it's all done and and completed, and uh, closing day is the day after the Kentucky Derby, Sunday, May 8th. Now, we cover it closely, as you just heard. Writer Byron King will be out there in a couple of weeks just taking in the atmosphere at Hot Springs, which I bore people with every time I talk about that place. I fell in love with it years ago. It's just a marvelous place. And, and I read an interview with you, and it's so funny because Terry Wallace – I went down and I was visiting one time and I was talking with Terry and he was talking about hot springs and his early days there, you know, he used to work at river downs where I work. And, uh, he said, he said, John, he says, I've worked at different places. When I tell them at the racetrack, they usually give you the seat by the restroom. He says here in hot springs, they find out you're with the racetrack. They sit you in the front window and you seem to have reflect that in some of the interviews you've done. It's just a dip different atmosphere on how they embrace the racing game in that part of Arkansas. It's phenomenal. Um, I, I've only been one other place that was like that. And that was the old Exarban in Omaha, Nebraska. And here, here at Oakland, people come because they're strictly racing fans. You know, you can give them a tote bag or you can give them a scratch off or whatever, and they'll come. But they're coming because they say, wow, that, that, that three other than allowance tomorrow is really should be a stake. And there's seven horses in there that could win. And they are horse racing, handicapping fans. And that's what makes it so cool here. Um, this is my sixth year calling the races. I will never be the voice of Oakland because the gentleman that you just referred to Terry Wallace called the races here for 37 years, didn't miss a race for 37 years. And he will forever be the, the true voice of Oakland and may he rest in peace. Yes. Yes. Uh, but who knows, you, you know, you, you might live into your nineties. I'm trying to do the math here in the last bio I read about you, but I'm just saying you know, nobody a will ever replace him, but I hope you are there for a long, long time. Another guy I work with at river downs. Uh, I think you might've taken the seat from him, uh, Pete Aiello and, uh, he just glowed about it. It was so good to hear. Cause I had already had my experience and that Pete, he, I mean, if it wasn't, Florida, he wouldn't have gone. He loved Hot Springs. And he said, he says, when you're the track announcer at Hot Springs, you're just not a guy with a microphone. They accept you as part of the racing community and you're kind of a spokesman. Have you found yourself launched in that position over the last few years? A hundred percent. If I don't think we have a, a definite spokesman, but if we did, it would be me. Um, you're a celebrity when you're the announcer. Uh, now Terry really built that up and uh, and made a lot out of it and I and I thought it was fabulous. But th- this place, it's consider this. 
when we run the Arkansas Derby this year, we're going to have 70,000 people at the track. And that will effectively double the population of Hot Springs, Arkansas. Oh, my God. It's 35,000 people that live in this city. 35,000 people live in this city. And when we run the Arkansas Derby, 70,000 people will be at the racetrack. That's great. That's all you need to know. Just amazing. Yeah, I remember driving down there, and I was like, I'm going to say 100 miles away from the the track, heading and I stopped at a Waffle House or something, and there in the newspaper stand, the headlines were Oaklawn Park. Absolutely. We were we were a hundred miles away, and the, the, and people are tooting the horn about Oaklawn in, in the middle of Arkansas. It's the way it is. Just the way it is. It's and it, and it makes it so much fun. Um, well, en- because enough about Hot Springs. Let's learn a little bit about Vic Stoffer. I, I I know you reached back and and reflected upon your your grandfather. I believe you're a West Coast kind of guy, so you got the bug early. And I and I read something in here that was almost uh, religious, and it was about. Uh, a, a, accepting things in in life and kind of all of a sudden having that wow moment where you realize, Hey, this is something not only I want to do, but something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. A lot of people don't have that experience, Vic. You're a lucky man. Uh, lucky is putting it mildly. It's, it's absolutely a blessing. Um, when I was 15 years old, which was a few years ago, I knew for a fact, that I was going to spend the rest of my life at the racetrack. And I didn't know how or where. I didn't know if I'd be a hot walker, a groom. I knew I wouldn't be a jockey, a trainer, somebody that worked in publicity, but I knew that I was going to be a racetracker. And that took some, that took some selling of my parents because I have an eighth grade education. I quit school after the eighth grade and went to the races and never turned back. But they, of course, wanted me to finish high school at least. I could get the GED and then go to college and do all of that. And I could have, but after I was finished with it, I would have ended up at the racetrack just like I did when I was 15. And I just knew I was going to be there. Um, I, uh, I can honestly tell you that I've never actually put in one honest day's work in my life. Not one. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> Unbelievable! It's and, too much. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like working in, in the the toy aisle of a of a store for the rest of your life. You know, it's <laughs> if, like if a you fat man racing, working at a smorgasbord. <laughs> it's, it's just uh, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. It, 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 it is marvelous, and you have really honed your craft, uh, you know, just uh, fantastic. Well, it really had, to, just as we saw this past year, uh, Arlington Park go away, that had to crush you when Hollywood Park went away. <laughs> uh, all I ever wanted to do once I got into the horse racing business, because when, I, when, when, I, when we were kids, we would sneak into Del Mar and and while my friends and I, we were looking at the girls, I found myself in tune to the announcer, too. And it was the legendary voice of both Hollywood Park and Delmar, Harry Henson, yes. who called the races in Southern California for 30 years. And I found myself more in tune to and listening to Harry. And so all I ever wanted to do was be the announcer at Hollywood Park. That's it. 
And when I got the opportunity in 2000, I knew that I was set for life because as long as I didn't do something stupid or get into some sort of a scandal, I was going to be the announcer at Hollywood Park for the rest of my life. And it went out of business. How can Hollywood Park go out of business? That's like Yankee Stadium going out of business. <laughs> they can't. And they can't. <laughs> they can't. And yet, on December 23rd of 2013, they did. And I, I still can't believe it. Um, I will watch with bitter, sweet tears when I watch SoFi Stadium. Because that stadium is smack dab front and center where Hollywood park was. That's it. No kidding. It was track was there. And now the stadium is exactly where the track was. I'll and, have to tell uh, Collinsworth that. Yeah. Um, and but I'm sure I'll, that, I'll uh, Vic, you I'm had sure that Al Michaels has, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm sure that Al Michaels has been talking about the Super Bowl, and he came to Hollywood park a lot. Um, and uh, he was actually in the journalism class at USC that was that was taught by the great legendary handicapper, the Professor Gordon Jones. Yes. And so Al was at Hollywood Park a lot. So I'm sure that this this week when he talks about SoFi Stadium, he, he'll bring up Hollywood Park, I'm sure of it. Oh, it, it, it'll get brought up. I know uh, Quigley called me and he was looking for angles of uh, getting people out to the – uh, to Santa Anita while they're there. And I told him, Hey, you know, Collinsworth used to own horses. And I know that, uh, you know, uh, th those guys love going to the races and Collinsworth, I think he still has some ownership, but I digress. I'd go back to Vic Stauffer. So Vic, let's go back to 2000. You said, when I got the job, it's nobody just gets handed a microphone and says, okay, kid, you're up. Tell me about your baby steps. Well, um, I was sort of the Crash Davis of announcers, and that is I played in the bus leagues for many, many years, calling the Northern California Fairs, calling in Kansas City at the Woodlands, and all other kinds of places that really aren't on the map and nobody really cared about. But in 2000, I also got a very, very big break, and that was I was named the announcer at Gulfstream Park in South Florida. And I was there for about a year and a half. And had I not been given the opportunity by the Don family and Doug Don specifically to call a race like the Florida Derby and, and the Derby preps that they have at Gulfstream, I would expect it probably wouldn't have been able to get the job at Hollywood Park because that was a coveted job. But I had shown that I could do it on the nation stage right. by calling at Gulfstream and I'm sure that that opened up the doors at Hollywood Park. And, uh, and, and then I just was, you know, it was such a dream come true. I mean, to call horses like Zenyatta and, and Lava Man and so many of the great champions that came out of there, Ghost Sapper, Officer, Medaglia Doro, and so many of them, um, Cesario. Um, it just was, uh, it was great. And uh, they say that wounds, pass with time. Well, this one hasn't because every time I think about Hollywood Park, I get sadder than the time before. Well, I won't bring it up. I'm going to bring up Oaklawn Park because my producer says 
John, if you want to get this guy's picks in the stakes, you better do it now. So, <laughs> fixed offer, let me put your feet to the fire here. Uh, you've got two great stakes races on Saturday. We'll start with the Bayacoa. Uh, this is for, for fillies and mares, and it's kind of like you got the out-of-towner taking on the local kids. Mariah's Princess got some early speed. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, am I going I'm on the wrong race? Queen Goddess. Um had never stepped on a dirt crack, a track until her last race, a grade one, and up jumps a winner at 14 to one in the American Oaks. Is she the standout in here, or do we got some people like Mariah's Princess and Coach that could knock the Queen's crown off? Well, I, I wouldn't say that there's any standout here. Um, Queen Goddess um, was a big surprise to a lot of people when she won the American Oaks, especially doing it on the dirt. Um, it wasn't a surprise to me because Mike McCarthy really knows what he's doing. And when he decided to run her in that spot, it made, it made sense to me. And he already has a, a track record of bringing horses into Oakland and doing very, very well with them. Horses like CC and city of light yeah. and others. And so the fact that he picked this race, it means that he's pointing for the Apple Blossom because the Apple Blossom is a, is a champion maker. I'm sure Latruska is going to win older Philly and Mare tonight. And when she does, it'll be due in large part to meeting Monomoy Girl last year in the Apple Blossom. Right. And so I would expect that that's what he has in mind. Mariah's Princess has been breathtaking. Um, and her numbers are commensurate. And then Coach has been a different filly this year. But that being said, I'm not entirely sure that Myers, that let's say you took Coach and sent her out to run in the American Oaks. I just don't think she would have run and won like Queen Goddess did. And the same with Mariah's Princess. So it kind of gives me the shakes to pick a horse that I know is going to be about eight to five, but I'm going to do it and say that I think Queen Goddess will probably win the Bayacoa. All right. We're talking with Vic Stauffer. We got one more race and only about a minute and a half to knock it out. It's the grade three Razorback Handicap, a race with a whole lot of history in here. And all, all eyes going on Superstock, a horse with the biggest career win in his uh, life, the Arkansas Derby last year. Uh, you probably have to knock out some reserve boxes because it looks like the Asmussen family may be in town for this one, Vic. Yeah, what a wonderful story he was and uh, and is. Um, he's up against it in this spot. Superstock is a very nice horse, but I I, I don't think he can – beat this field. There's so many cool stories in this race. Popular kid, rated our superstar, Lone Rock, who they turned back after winning the marathon on Breeders' Cup Day. But I make this race between Last Samurai and Promise Keeper. And I'm going to take Last Samurai just because he's already won on this track. His numbers are very, very good. And I, I think that I have an incredible record with Dallas Stewart. He just has his horses ready to run in the biggest spots. And yeah. John Court is such a great story too. 62 years old and still riding winners. Love so him. to me, it's last Samurai and promise keeper in the Razorback. 
Oh, Vic Stoffer, this has been great. Hey, you got to promise me you'll come back on because we, we just got to scratch in your resume. And uh, as we know, uh, there's plenty of big races coming up at, at Oaklawn Park. So maybe we'll get lucky enough to catch you on the Derby Trail. But Vic Stoffer, it has been a pleasure, my friend. Oh, my pleasure. It's been my pleasure and uh, love to see you at Oaklawn and call anytime. All right. Vic Stauffer, I want to thank Jenny Reese and Byron King for joining us. We put 10 pounds in a five-pound sack tonight. And I want to remind you, we got racing all over the country, as we stated earlier in the show, including big races at uh, at Tampa Bay and Golden Gate. So how do you get the winners in there? You go to winningponies.com. You pull down our easy win forms. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners. Winners.